0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gernison, joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, as well as Downtown Sports Network, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you doing today, man? Uh, pretty good, man. Uh, it's Tuesday evening
1: when we're recording. as usually on Monday. But uh, I was out and about exploring. I uh, got to go in and see a lot of cool things. Uh, you know, a couple of abandoned buildings and things like that. It was pretty cool. Uh, and then I just finished eating sushi, and I'll tell you what, man, sushi is everything. Like, I don't even, I don't even have the words. It, it's it's just amazing. So sushi was get,
0: sushi was good, man. You are not going to get any uh, complaints from me when talking about sushi. Uh, Devin and I have been talking about sushi for uh, a good couple of weeks. Uh <laughs> Uh, that's all I'm gonna say about that, but I think I think I'm somewhat responsible for getting you on the sushi uh, hype train the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, it, it's.
0: Look, man, it, it's
1: it's there. It is what it is. I mean, you got all all types of kind of sushi. I mean, everybody thinks of like, the California rolls and whatnot, but you got to really dig deep, man. Sushi. <laughs> look, I I cave and put it into words. I, it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. man. Obviously, we're here to talk about football, but look, man, yeah. I, I I could. Think
0: I could go out about sushi forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, I think I got you, I I you craving sushi because, uh, well, you know, I had I had some news come out for uh, for those uh, last week that uh, you know list sort of the boxing and Obviously, I've gone through a lot of stuff in the past year in terms of academics, but it was finally over. I finally got the email. My diploma, or is it not my diploma? God, my come on, give yourself a little bit more credit. My university degree is coming in the mail at the end of next month, and I was so happy that the day I got it, when I went into work, I bought like thirty-five, no, thirty-six pieces of sushi from my coworkers. And I'll tell you, I was a little disappointed that the sushi was fantastic, but I was only there for a couple of hours, and I left it like. I think uh, eight o'clock or so, and those that were there after me didn't finish off like the last like five or six pieces of sushi. I came back the next morning and they were still in the fridge. Yeah. I told them to take it home, and they, they man, it actually hurt. I, if they had told me they weren't going to eat it, I would have just taken that shit home and eaten it myself. <laughs> Damn.
1: Did you eat it though?
0: Uh, no. Because by the time I realized it, I was already on my break, like my like break three hours into my next shift. So we'd been sitting in that fridge for. Good 12 hours minimum. <laughs> probably closer
1: above yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. Not
0: sure if the seal was exactly all that tight. <laughs> but again, like you said, we're not here to talk about sushi. Obviously, um, you know, there's been some news going on in college football landscape. And you know what? We kind of wanted to get a little bit back into the draft. Um, but let's get started, you know, with just a, a rundown of the news. Obviously, last night. Really, as we were getting ready to, to talk about the podcast, uh, shit hit the fan out there in Stillwater. Uh, Part of my language, but yeah. Chuba uh, Hubbard, calling out Mike Gundy over a t-shirt. And I know it's not just the t-shirt, it's what the t-shirt represents. And for those, I, I put out an article that is available on bluechipscouting.com about basically what happened between Chuba Hubbard, Mike Gundy, and where the options are for Chuba and the university going forward. Uh, but the Cliff Notes version is there was a photo of uh, Mike Gundy in a oh, – it's OAN, right? I'm, I'm the Canadian. I don't know what the hell is, All right? One American News, which is, if I remember correctly, a far-right Russian-owned um, – propaganda machine that Trump has started uh, tweeting out, you know, his support for. They're the same news, you know, news source that said that the 75-year-old man in Buffalo was was an undercover Antifa spy that was trying to jam headsets with a cell phone. There's a lot to unpack with just that sentence alone, but yeah, um, not cool, uh, especially given that it came out last night that, oh yeah, uh, one of the, the the people for One American referred to the Black Lives Matter as farce and a hoax. So yeah, when you are the head coach of a school that has a football team with, what, 80, 90% black players, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, and you know what, the mullet does not help. I don't mean to make light of the situation, but the mullet just makes it worse. I think our, our, our boss Dalton put it very simply, like, anyone else surprised that, 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 that Mike Gundy might have those views, the man has a mullet. Yeah, I but mean... obviously, Chuba Hubbard tweeted out that he was going to basically boycott doing any activities at the school until things changed. That lasted about an hour and a half, and then there was the most awkward apology video ever it was it was uncomfortable if you look at chuba's face he does not want to be there it it, it it looks like it's a kid being told he's being grounded it was not it didn't look like he like he wanted to be there because chuba's the one that apologizes and gundy's not and all gundy goes is well i was kind of ignorant in the situation well ignorance is kind of the problem in that I'm going to let you talk about that because as a, as a sheltered white kid from uh, from Toronto, um, I am by no means an authority
1: on this. Yeah, but, I mean, you got an opinion. It's one of your own. I mean, Chuba Hubbard, you know, we know how much you like Chuba Hubbard. Uh, yeah, up by the other I saw the name. I was like, yeah, I'm never going to be able to say that. Uh, but on a more serious note, yeah, I mean, the situation itself. It just reminds me so much of Dabo Sweeney and being so insensitive and wearing these shirts that they know has deeper meanings. Like, you can't just wear a shirt and expect no blowback about it, especially with a conservative uh, news network network that O-A-N, uh, OANN, however, wherever their initials are. you got to know... Um, what they stand for. You got to be aware in this political climate where every move you make will and should be, you know, looked at closely. Um, to For him to do that and just the... Everything about the situation, the optics about it, it it's just wrong. Everything about it is wrong. Uh, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard said what he needed to say and he took a stand. And for them to, one... I get it if they can meet at the facility and talk about it man to man, but one, to do that video and two, to release it to the public after tweeting what you tweeted mere hours ago. Like, you gotta, you gotta. I I didn't like the decision making. Um, I I don't think it should have been signed off. I think it should have been something that wait till the next morning, let Mike Gundy make either a video or some sort of statement denouncing it. And then try to rebuild from there. Making these videos that look uncomfortable and look staged and looked just unorganic. I mean, it just makes the situation worse. I mean, everybody saw what happened with Drew Brees. I mean, he said what he said. And then within, you know, like later that day, next morning, he released an apology and then another apology. It's just like... Once you make the apology, like, first of all, make sure it's sincere and make sure you actually apologize because Mike Gundy is never really apologized, for being honest. Uh, and two, think about how you're going to disperse it. Like, I don't care if you watch that news. I don't care if you support it. But to just outright be insensitive to your players that help you make millions and helped you make millions and being insistent to the the fact that what they said in the past, you, we can't be in a climate anymore where college coaches, uh, people, leaders of men, they cannot be ignorant to what's going on in the country. Um, it's, we're at a point of time where that's just not acceptable. We can't, you can't just say, Oh, I didn't know any better. like, there are resources out there. You have players, you have people that you are leading that can tell you directly what's going on and tell you their experiences. Like, you can't ignore that or be ignorant to that. You just can't, you know? And if you want players to keep coming to Oklahoma State University, Mike Gundy, you have to think about what message you're sending to these players with the shirts you wear, The things you support, things along those lines, because you're just hurting yourself in the long run. And the university is going to eventually sever itself from you if you continue to support these views. Now, we know how Oklahoma Oklahoma is. It's conservative. It's red. I mean, we'll be honest, just like Alabama, Oklahoma is red. They're Republican. They're going to vote Republican pretty much no matter what. But at the end of the day, you still are a leader of men. Look at what Lincoln Riley has been doing at Oklahoma. I mean, he has really embraced everything that's going on and understands. Like, that's all players are looking for at this point, like understanding and you truly get what's going on. And I just feel like Mike Gundy dropped the ball, and I think Chupa Hubbard allowed him to – to squeak by. He should have should stood his ground in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, it was that whole situation was just watching it from afar. It uh, yeah. Wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't the best situation. Uh, one thing that did happen that I, I am kind of glad I don't want to say that I'm happy to see someone lose their job because nobody especially in, in times like this where you know, with the uncertainty surrounding COVID-19, I mean, we don't know if this gonna be a football season next year. We're hopeful. But, like, we got at the pros, players testing positive. Alabama's got, like, 10 kids that tested positive. Like, we have no idea. But Iowa's strength coach was, uh, was let go. Uh, I want to say his name's Chris Doyle. Yeah, Chris Doyle was fired after uh, several... Current and former players came forward about um, some just real racist shit, for lack of a better term. We talked on this last week, but, yeah, just, you know, as a, as a follow-up, he's gone.
1: Yeah, um, and, and the thing was, like, the thing that bothered me was that they parted ways with him. Like, they didn't actually fire him. They, like, did a settlement. Um, and I get that you have to do that, but it, it, just, it just bothers me because, like, Number one, as soon as they heard it, it should have been over. Like he should have been immediately cut. Like, it's like I, I, don't, I don't want to hear like investigation and all that. Because if there are multiple players making these comments, like I get that you have to do your due diligence, but they're not saying it to just get them out of there. Like that's not, that's not what these players are trying to do. They want to make sure that the environment for current and and uh, future players is one that facilitates growth and is understanding of black culture and, and, and people of color's culture. And clearly the strength coach did not respect that. And he said multiple things over the years and the fact that it took what? Almost a week to finally just cut the ties with him. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it was done, but it's definitely something that should have been done immediately as soon as, um, Things are starting to unfold, but uh, I mean, I got to give kudos to Iowa for doing what they needed to do to move forward as a program and we'll see if I'm pretty sure we'll never hear his name again. He'll probably end up going to some school that, you know, is under the national spotlight, Iowa is, but uh, it needed to be done. So kudos to Iowa staff and, and university for getting that done.
0: I mean, outside of really those two, it I I wish that there was that there was better news that we could talk about on our college and, and draft podcast. Uh, but unfortunately, given the current climate, given the fact that you know schools are only now just starting to let players back on campus, there's a lot of not an unknown in the world. But you know, obviously, I'm I'm glad that that stuff like this you know people are, are taking a stand, schools are finally starting to make a difference. Um, there was I mean, Clemson is, you know, has had their players talk about, you know, renaming some of the, the, the buildings that are named after Confederate leaders, which is a great step in the right direction. I would say same thing about uh, uh, that wide receiver from uh, from Texas, uh, Brendan Eagles, who put together the list of of you know of requests from the players to try to help make Texas you know more inclusive.
1: Yeah, you, you, know, you, you. good
0: like you know not having them sing you know you know a song with incredibly racist undertones to it i'd say that's a pretty damn good uh pretty damn good start like i don't know like this is i feel like people are trying to make this like like it's a um, like it's so um like anti authority or or that's such like so different it's just when you think about it it's like common sense
1: well the thing is like A lot of these conversations are going on across the country and across all levels. Um, People are so stuck in being, like, having things stay the same, you know what I'm saying? So, like, with all the Confederate statues going down, with all, you know, NASCAR banning the Confederate flag, uh, things along those lines, like, people are like, oh, you're taking away our history. Like, no, it's still in the history book. You can still go, you still can read about in the history books. You can still go to your local library and find out about these people. Just because their face or body or their name isn't on everything or is visible to the public doesn't mean they didn't exist. So if you're truly about wanting to learn about history, a Google search, go to the library, literally look up videos like this. There's so many resources we have now and to, to have these Confederate statues, Confederate names, uh, songs with racial undertones, to still have that power of traditions, quote unquote traditions to college football teams and college football universities uh, and, and universities uh, in general. I think that, you know, it's it's time for change. It's time for, you know things that were the status quo it's time for it to change because people don't want to especially people of color and black people don't want to consistently see reminders of what they were fighting for and that's why i don't think it clicks with people's minds like they were fighting to keep slaves i mean let's call it what it is you know what i'm saying like and to, to say that you know part of our history like it's not a proud part of our history like there's a reason why people don't want to see these things and that's it's getting taken down is getting changed so I'm glad these conversations are happening I'm glad that these players are taking a stand because let's be real I mean a lot of these universities won't change something unless their biggest money maker makes them makes demands and say they will not play until these things happen so Sometimes, like exactly with Colin Kaepernick, you have to stand for something. Whether it means you lose your job or lose the thing you love most. If you don't stand for something, stand up for what you believe in. I mean, what what is, what is kind of your purpose in life in general? You know, so I'm glad that these players are taking the time to do this. and That these conversations are being had and that people or making a change because it is time man. for sure
0: um, switching gears onto um, less of a uh, I don't I, I, I don't even know how to really segue that uh, anyways switching to more of a on the field uh, approach uh, I obviously have been cranking out some draft uh, rankings articles and uh there's a top five at each position thread that you can find from me on Twitter as well. Um, just kinda wanted to go through uh you know we haven't really talked too too much about the players whereas like you mentioned before we went on air that you're at about like twenty to twenty five players. I am like in around the sixty to seventy player range. So just like I kinda wanted to get your kind of takeaways of some players you thought maybe I'm a little too high on, maybe I'm a little too low on, and we can kind of discuss. Without going, like, top five at each, you can kind of pick pick
1: and choose, and we'll, and we'll have a discussion. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, give me a second here to pull them up. we um, pull up your rankings. Um, just in, kind of in general, I, mean, I thought they were all pretty solid. Like, obviously, you know, the Devontae Smith is one that stands out for everybody, not being the top five, but I've also talked oh, to God, you. Don't get me started
0: on Devontae Smith.
1: Yeah, but I, I – what I have to
0: deal with all year, and I'm just not ready to have that conversation right now.
1: Yeah, so, you know, kind of for me, I would have him at five. I get why you don't have him at five, but he would be my number five six. receiver. I have
0: him at six, and you know what? The people that think I'm too low or that I'm disrespecting him, they can stay the hell out of my mentions.
1: Understood. Uh, for me, <laughs> for me, uh, Pat Frymuth is tight end one. Uh, I know him and Kyle Pitts, the separation really isn't that huge, but for me, uh, Frymuth is tight end one, mainly because I think that he's a more aggressive and willing blocker compared to Kyle Pitts. Uh, I know Kyle Pitts has a little bit more upside on receiving in, uh, but uh to me, he's just like someone that just dominates his matchups. Um, someone that if he would, his stats would be even better if Sean Clifford didn't miss so many open throws to him. I mean, there's one in Minnesota he literally walked in for a touchdown, but he skipped it into the ground. Uh, there were a couple other plays he did that too. Um, so looking at tight end, you know, definitely uh, Firemuth one. Uh, I also will have my guy Trey McBride at number five. Uh, I, I, I think he's one of my sleeper guys. Someone that I think uh, will be even a bigger contributor in uh, in Colorado State's offense this next season. Uh, in addition, he. He's probably one of the best blocking tight ends in this class. If he if he declares, he's only uh, going to be a junior this year, um, or I think redshirt sophomore actually. But he, you know, he's only going to be, uh, you know, only going to get better, uh, which is what I was trying to say. Um, let's see here. Let's see, look at some of your other things here. Um, I don't really have too many problems with inside offensive line. I haven't really taken too that big of a, a look into it. Um, I think the the DBs one, the uh, cornerbacks is going to be one that is, is hotly talked about as well. Um,
0: oh, okay, so so l- let me just talk about these corners. All right, so I am a little bit surprised that. Stanford has not discovered my Twitter account to just tell me uh, that they don't like me, but they can they can, they can join Northwestern and uh, and Rutgers and Michigan State and those other schools that, that I have uh, been, uh, for lack of a better term, bashing the crap out of, uh, ever since I started getting really a platform, <clears throat> uh, because Paulson Adibo is not in my top five corners, and I would have thought that there would be a little bit more uprising about that, but there wasn't, and I mean, let's just talk about this corner class right now, man. I mean, I think um, yeah, Matt Miller tweeted out his top five corners with no particular order, and it's the same guys as mine. He didn't give an order, but mine in order are Patrick Sertain, uh, G- uh, I always want to say Patrick Sertain Jr., but it's Patrick Sertain second. Um, from Alabama. He is currently sitting at eighth on my big board. Sean Wade from Ohio state who is sitting ninth on my big board. Caleb Farley from Virginia tech, who was 11th on my big board. Israel Mukwamu from South Carolina, who I think when we were talking about draft early draft crushes, like less than a month ago, he was one. And then Elijah Boldenman. he's small compared to the other guys. Cause like everyone else I just mentioned is at least six feet tall. Uh, Israel Mukwamu is six foot four. Uh, Elijah Bolden's like five ten, about a buck eighty five. But the kid's got ridiculous hops. Has, has a little bit of that Byron Murphy to him, mm-hmm. which is a damn good baseline for a you know, you know for a, for a corner. Uh, and then like just missing the cut, J.C. Horn from South Carolina, uh, Darian Kendrick from Clemson. Um, I haven't even started on that.
1: Kid from Appalachian State that everyone loves. Uh, Sean Jolly. hmm Yeah,
0: yep,
1: started, I like you know, him. You know how hard it is to get film on Appalachian <laughs> App- defense? Yeah, super hard. Uh, I I was actually trying to get uh, UL Lafayette film and that that was difficult. But yeah, Jolly is really good. I, I like him as a, a sleeper in the next year. I don't think he's a first rounder, but uh, I think he can be like a nice second, third rounder uh, in in 2021 class. Um. There's also,
0: like, Asante Samuel Jr., Chase Lucas, who is one that I've been on for, like, two years. Eric Stokes is another guy I haven't finished yet. One guy I love that no one's talking about is Trey Swilling, the corner from, from Georgia Tech. I'm just not sure that he's going to declare as a redshirt sophomore corner from Georgia Tech. Because, well, Georgia Tech hasn't really had a lot of guys go pro early lately or go pro in general. But, yeah, the kid's really good. So I wouldn't be surprised if his name with another good season pops up. But, like, also Adebo is probably behind everyone I just mentioned. And I haven't even started, really, with, uh, like, Asante Samuel Jr. or Eric Stokes. But I just gut feeling I think he's going to end up behind them. Uh, But, yeah, there there are others I'm missing. Like, our guy uh, Matt Valdivinos has been doing great work pumping out, you know, articles that are keeping us up to date on that. Uh, And then the safeties. The safeties are going to be interesting because, again, I haven't done a ton of work on them. But there's some good ones, man. Javon Holland, uh, kind of that safety nickel uh, role in in Oregon's defense. He's just so good. He's just so damn good. I don't know if you've watched him yet, but when you know uh, if you haven't, when you do get to Javon Holland, uh, he's just he he's Matt he's in Matt Valvino's top five for this class. Like right? that's how good he is. We're talking, you know, baseline he probably is like in terms of like you know, he's in the discussion. Andre Cisco from, from Syracuse, a ball hawk. Hamza uh, Nazarildine, another gigantic uh, uh, safety at like 6'3 and 230. Uh, Georgia Tech has a safety that's like 6'5 and 235. Like, uh, Georgia Tech got safeties that are built like edge rushers.
1: Yeah, safety class sounds crazy. Uh, I um I haven't really gotten a chance to look at safeties yet. I looked at corners, a few linebackers, a uh, few edge guys, uh, but for the most part, I haven't really looked at safeties too much. Uh,
0: tight ends, linebackers, and safeties are the are the three positions I've done the least amount of work on.
1: Uh, I've done quite a bit of work on tight ends. I haven't done much on linebackers or safeties or anything like that. I mean, I know all I need to know about linebackers that Micah Parsons is linebacker one. Uh, I've been saying this since last year. Uh, Let's
0: put it this way. There are three potential round one linebackers because Nick Bolton, he's Roquan Smith. Yeah, i heard good things about him. He's
1: linebacker three. Yeah, I've heard all good things about uh, Nick Bolton for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I haven't really taken a look at the safety class yet. Uh, definitely gonna get to it in the coming months. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know all about uh, Javon Holland. I mean, I've seen everybody tweet about him. Uh, you, you were, you were early on uh, Andre Sisko, uh from Syracuse. So, uh, you well, I you were. Tried to watch
0: his, high, his his film as a uh, as a as a freshman because he had like eight picks as a
1: freshman. Insanity. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I I didn't really too much disagree with the rankings. I mean, of course, I knew the running back might get blowback. You've gotten blowback from even besides the rankings for having Chuba as RB one. Uh, to me, me a homer. It's down to preference. I've seen RB one all over the place. I mean, I've seen uh, Najee Harris. I've seen ETN. Probably ETN the most, but I mean, I'm. Yeah, I see I seen some gain well uh you're one of the few that actually listed Journey Brown the top five uh, I think he's, so good, he, he's just a monster I mean I got to see it up close and personal we saw it against I see um, I can't I think the most seen the most tweeted play I've seen from running backs is his play against Memphis actually I think that is the yeah. most the most tweeted running back clip that everyone tweets like he just
0: decides that like six dudes aren't to yes. take him down. Yes. And he just like stiff arms a dude into
1: like a row. Yeah, I've seen it all 22. I've seen broadcasts. I've seen it from every angle. <laughs> like everybody tweets that play. From his and, like, yeah, pretty much. Everybody is all over that play. And I was just like, I watched that live, you know? I watched that happen like live. But yeah, uh, yeah for the most part, I mean. The running back, I think the top five is pretty much set, in my opinion. And, and, like, with your list, like, there's a few guys that obviously are, like, on the outside looking in or you could switch in or out. I can off the line, it's,
0: I expect him to take an, uh, a leap forward, especially as a pass catcher this year with Mike Leach coming in. Uh, I think that's going to be really big for him. I, I liked his film last year. I was kind of surprised he uh, he went back to school. Yeah, I, I legit thought that he was going to, you know, jump to the pros because he had a chance to go early, um, especially once guys like Hubbard and Etienne and Harris all went back. I felt like he was kind of limiting himself. Uh, man, these these running back groups the last couple of years have been really good, which is really, really shitty in a world where running backs really don't matter because we got some of the best running back prospects we've had in a long time. And I think part of the reason that these running backs don't matter came up is because we had years where it's like, "Yay, running back one, Eddie Racy or "Running back one, David Wilson." Like, do you remember David Wilson? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> the thing, the thing years is. Years like that, and then
0: like by the time Saquon came around, it's like, oh yeah, like we, we, we just had a, we just had Leonard Fournette go fourth overall and. Well, as a rookie, he kind of looked like a bust. It's like, oh, well, great. Like now we got really good running backs, and nobody cares. But yeah, Kylan Hill, Steve Burdell, uh, Keontae Ingram from Texas, another big dude. This, is, I was saying with Caddy, uh, this is the year of big running backs because, like, Ingram's six six feet two twenty. Uh, our guy Justin Henderson, yeah, he's he's RB nine. Uh, Rakeem Boyd out of uh, Arkansas, the uh, former Last Chance U kid. He's good. I think some people are really overblown it, though. I've seen him as high as, like, RB3, and I just I just know, know none of that. Mohamed mm-hmm. Ibrahim out of Minnesota. I'm looking forward to seeing a, a healthy year from him. Puka Williams uh, from Kansas. I mean, honestly, man, just having to name Puka, uh, you got my attention. Kind of like WAP. Uh, but one guy that everybody that a lot of people like to talk about that I don't see any real appeal to is Mac Fordy the... The um, Washington State kid because they see a small white running back from the Pac-12, and I've seen so many the next Christian McCaffrey comparisons that it makes me want to vomit.
1: Well, the thing is, like McCaffrey dominated so much, like it was just ridiculous. Like he was literally the team his last couple years. Yeah, I mean it's just crazy. I mean a lot of people like to cling to these, these athletes that look similar or whatever and try to, like, project it on them. Uh, to be honest, I don't think that's really a good look. Um, but like you said, you named so many running backs that are going to be good in this next year. I mean, this list we have now, the list you have now, the list that we think, uh, it could change. I mean... I'm telling you, man, offense
0: in general this coming year is good. The offensive line, we thought last year's class was good. Uh we don't have like obviously we have an offensive tackle, we have Sewell, which that that helps a lot. Uh but like whereas last year we had like the four guys that are kinda of all tiered together. We kinda of have that that same grouping, but like the next tier down is like tier two. Mm-hmm. Because then you have like Sam Cosby, Jalen Mayfield, Jackie Carmen, Alex Leatherwood, Daniel Fallele, Kristen Darisaw, Rasheed Walker. Realize how I didn't say Walker Little? But, like pack a <laughs> uh, That will never not get you to give <laughs> That will never not get you to give it I drop it purposely. Um, um, you know, Abraham Lucas is uh Washington State offensive tackle. Our guy, Matt has says as an offensive tackle, too. That's a right tackle redshirt sophomore, I think, from Washington State. Yeah. Uh, Jim Nagy tweeted out about uh, the right tackle from mid-Tennessee State. Like, we getting on small school guys mid major guys early.
1: Yeah, we got so much time. I mean, like now it would be
0: Usually by now I'd be watching the tape of guys like Sam Cosme, Penny Sewell, maybe Rashad Bateman. Yeah, but now I'm like, now I'm like give me a group of five guys. Yeah, give me all
1: the group of five guys right now. That's why I'm I'm looking at a lot of group of five guys that that are of interest. I know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't expect none of them to go first round. Like, I'm not expecting to to find, like, someone who's going to be an immediate game changer. But, man, I'll tell you what, college football has players all over the place, you know? Like, NFL teams are going to find you regardless. So I'm excited for this senior bowl class. I think this could be the most diverse class we get this year in yeah. terms of uh, division, in terms of, uh, you know, players from all over the place. You know, um, I think this, it seems like every year they're getting players from different aspects. I mean, we had the, the, the offensive lineman from, uh, I think it was St. John's um, SD three in Minnesota. I mean, you, you just never know what you're going to get with some of these players. So I'm, I'm always excited to, to find new guys. See you. People tweet about, see other guys that people tweet about that. I like, uh, so it's, it's always an, an exciting experience, especially in the summer, especially with a lot of questions surrounding the season in general. Like we're tweeting as if the season's going to happen and, you know, making articles about if, as if the season's going to happen. But we really don't know. I mean, we don't know what's, what's going to happen in the next few months. Uh, but obviously we want football back. and We want these players to play. Uh, but I'll, I'll say like one last thing about the list. Your list, uh, quarterbacks. Um, I see why people like Brock Purdy. Um, I took a I took a bit of a look at him. Uh, I'm I'm not the not the hugest fan of him. I'm not really sold on him per se. Uh, I think that he has like a lot of the tools you look for in a quarterback. But in general, I uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I I think it would be fine in the top five still, but I don't. I don't really see what other people see in him per se. Uh, I think that he is a solidly built quarterback that can can work well under pressure, but I don't think he has anything overwhelming about his game. Like he's he's mobile, um, and just uh, basically, you know, he is someone uh, I think can be. A solid starter, potentially in the NFL, a backup, but I don't really see any star potential to him. So.
0: Um, I think it's part of, I mean, I, I love Iowa State. I, I just, I've I loved the kind of rise that they've had recently under Matty Campbell. Um, you know, so I, I, I went into it expecting a little bit more. He's small, man. That's the one thing, like, Here's the thing. When you watch Kyler, like Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, on film, like Baker was six feet two thirty, he had the kind of Russell Wilson build duel. Mm-hmm. Kyler was like five nine, but kind Kyler, of Kyler's kind of thick built, right? Like he's not he's not like heavy, but he's like he's he's well built. Like I'm, I'm taking a look at it now. Kyler Murray is well. I know he's like five nine five ten according to Wikipedia. Five two hundred and seven
1: pounds. Yeah.
0: I'm telling you now, there is not a Brock Purdy is listed by um, Iowa State at six feet at six foot one. I'm not buying that. Nah. All right?
1: He's like five he, eleven at least.
0: Yeah, like he's he's around like five eleven. Like I'm legitimately just under six two, so you know, six one and some change. So they, they're saying that he's around my height. They're listing him at two oh five. I'm not buying that either. That dude is like 195 pounds. He is small. I was gonna say 185. <laughs> yeah. he, he looks small. He plays. Small. He's got a strong arm, but he doesn't have a strong arm for that size. Um, like he's he's good, but he just doesn't quite have. I don't know what the it factor is, and I know that's kind of a cop-out, but I know he doesn't quite have that.
1: Yeah, um, to, to me, he screams mid-round pick to me. Um, he does, and there's nothing wrong
0: with that. I think that you could probably, you know, day, like day two, you could be like, okay, he's this year's Jacob Eason. You take him in like, let's say round two, let him develop, or, or like a, um, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, you take him you know, in round two, let him sit for a bit. Um, you, you don't take them in round one. I'm sorry. Iowa State's going to have to wait a little bit longer before they get a, a first-round pick. They haven't had one in, I don't even know how long. It's been like, I want to say like 40 years since they had a first-round pick. Um, but like, he... If it weren't for Trey Lance, like, getting all of the attention right away unlike, you know, we've ever seen before from a kid that, in, in that realm, we would have seen a lot of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then Brock Purdy. Yeah. But then people started watching Trey Lance, and then people started watching Tanner Morgan, and Brock Purdy don't get talked about much. I still think he's better than, like, Desmond Ritter, who I think is a high upside guy with a very low floor, and Jamie Newman, I just kind of look at as backup. Yeah. I I don't see it with Jamie Newman. Yeah, Speaking of of Jamie Newman, we forgot to mention this on last week's uh, podcast. Uh, JT Daniels, (laughs) transferring to Georgia.
1: Yeah. I wanted
0: him to go to Purdue so bad so that I could have JT Daniels throw into Rondell Moore and was it Ronnie Bell or is it Reggie Bell? Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell, yeah.
1: No, 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 no. Actually, no, no, no. That's Michigan receiver. David Bell, my bad.
0: David Bell, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I needed that to happen so much, but I'm like, oh, uh, you chose Georgia. Damn it. I don't know who the hell Purdue's going to have throwing the ball next year, but...
1: I don't even... We don't even know who's throwing the ball for Georgia next year. I mean, people say it's Newman's job, but I don't know, man.
0: Uh, I don't think Daniels is going to get immediate eligibility.
1: Well, in that case... I see, but... I
0: don't know. What I am surprised you didn't want to talk about was uh, defensive line or edge rushes, because there are some guys that people really love... A little lower on, it. Uh, one being that defensive line is Marvin Wilson. Everybody, ha- I think everybody and their mother has Marvin Wilson as interior defensive line, except for someone with two thumbs and has Jalen Twyman as his defensive line <laughs> one. And that's this guy. Yeah, I like Marvin Wilson. I just love Jalen Twyman just a little bit more, and then an edge. Uh, I think a lot of people obviously have Gregory Russo edge one. I do as well. Edge two, for the most part, is Patrick Jones or Carlos Basham. I have Patrick Jones. I thought I was early on Patrick Jones. Apparently, I'm low on Patrick Jones by not having him as a first-round player. I loved him, man. He just needs to put it all together consistently. Carlos Basham, on the other hand, is uh, Jordan Willis 2.0. You remember Jordan Willis out of Kansas State? that now plays Yeah, that's Carlos Basham
1: understand yeah i i haven't really he
0: probably will run fast in testing but he doesn't play fast he doesn't play strong and i've been fooled by that type of player way too many times and i just don't see it on film i like a lot of guys better than him Uh, ironically this is a weird class where there are some smaller dudes that are really good that are going to get shot up draft boards like there's nobody's business that are going to get the zach bond treatment where we're not sure if they're edge rushers or they're uh, linebackers because, like, Quincy Roach is uh, 6'3 and 240. Uh, Amilcar Rochette is 6'4, 230. There's a kid from Duke that's, like, 6'5 and 225. Uh, Chris Rump the second. there's a name to, to keep on track. One dude that I love that nobody has talked about is Kansas State uh, edge rusher Wyatt Hubert. Uh, I think he's a redshirt junior this year, or a true junior. Um, put up similar numbers as a sophomore as he did as a freshman, uh, but doubled his sacks. Can't miss him on film. Big 55, and, you know, you know uh, wearing the purple and silver of Kansas State with hair halfway down his back. He looks like a damn like, lion. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I think that he's going to be someone where another good year at Kansas State, he's going to start shooting up, up draft boards Whereas we see guys like kind of Aiden Hutchinson, Xavier Thomas, if they don't kind of put it together this year, they're going to kind of get left behind.
1: Yeah, largely the, it seems like the edge class is more of a project year. Like you have a lot of guys there. A bad edge class. Even, yeah. Even Gregory Russo needs a lot of work. Yeah, it's, it seems like a project class for sure compared to last year, you know, Chase Young. You know, generational talent, quote unquote. You know how people feel about the word generational. Alvon
0: Chason, who was still a really good edge rusher. Yeah. And then a dip. This year it's just like, oh, there's one guy, and then there's a dip. But like again, if Russo, if Russo and um, uh, and Patrick Jones put it together, those guys are both like both top ten, top ten locks. Yeah. And I think that if you if you get a good year out of like. Xavier Thomas, and he kind of returns to the Flash as he showed as a freshman. You are talking another first round pick, but it's all dependent on these guys putting it, putting it together. It, it's not a great class at, at edge. We're, we're talking a lot of. We might be talking like a like a one. If, if it doesn't, then we could be talking one first rounder, and then like a good round, round and a half drop off. Like there is a lot of proven here, guys.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean. That's what makes the class great, man. You know, you got got a lot of guys not necessarily complete in, in terms of their development. A lot of guys that, you know, can make a rise, can make a dip. But, you know, we only know once everything, you know, kind of falls in place.
0: Yep. Pause. <laughs> Just in case. All right, Devin, so that's going to do it for us today. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter, MikeH underscore Draft. You can find Devin at D underscore Jackson. Uh, you can find uh, Blue Chip Scouting um, on Twitter at Blue Chip uh, at, what? Blue Chip Scout, right?
1: Uh, I think so. Hold on, let me check. I think we it's just Blue Chip Scout. This. We
0: should know this, but it's also 1030 and we're not used to recording on Tuesdays.
1: Yeah, yeah it's Blue Chip Scout.
0: Blue Chip Scout, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Uh you can find our work obviously on Blue Chip Scouting and on Downtown Sports Network. Uh Devin uh has been plugging away on Twitter, watching all of these group of five guys, it's been amazing. I've been putting together uh all sorts of articles, uh doing my work, you know, scouting, you know, uh hoping to, to kind of bring some more uh top notch uh you know uh, cut ups to the to the timeline. Um yeah, uh, obviously this this podcast came out a little bit uh, later this week. We had uh, some, some scheduling conflicts. But, you know, next week we'll return probably back to normal. Uh, you know, Devin and I are trying to lock down a guest for next week. That should be a lot of fun. But uh, until next time, guys, um, take it easy, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.